Hi, uh, so this is me trying to revise for FRCS uh, and this is uh, some revision material for me to listen to in the car. So thinking about boasts, boast 7 is about a fracture clinic. New patients should be seen within 72 hours in named consultant-led clinics with parsitecs available and uh, radiographers able to do x-rays. All clinic letters should be sent to the GP and the patient. Uh, CT and MRI should not delay definitive surgery. And there should be an ability to refer directly to an OT and a physio. The fracture liaison services should be integrated and injuries should be screened. Patients should have access, rapid access back to fracture if they have problems. And there should be patient information leaflets available on common injuries. Regarding CRPS, there needs to be an agreed local protocol and early referral to a pain clinic. And any changes to services or deviation from both guidelines should be audited. So that was Boast 7, about Fracture Clinic. Boast 9 refers to the Fracture Liaison Services. These should provide secondary prevention for fragility falls, which are defined as falls from standing height or less. They should be in all hospitals which have Fracture Clinics. They should be led by a consultant physician or GP with appropriate experience in osteoporosis treatment. Their system should allow easy identification of fragility fractures, for example age and fracture type, and people at high risk of falls. Uh, all patients should get written information about fragility fractures, bone health, lifestyle modification and treatment. And a bone health assessment by DEXA or the Metabolic Bone Service should be done within three months. The GP and the patient need to be kept informed about the results. There ought to be a system to monitor the patient compliance and departmental uh, audit. Uh, can be submitted to the National Fracture Liaison Service database. That was post 9 about Fracture Liaison Services. Uh, post 13 refers to rehabilitation and communication with patients who are admitted to hospital with trauma. Uh, the aim of rehabilitation is to restore a patient to their pre-injury level. There is a rehabilitation prescription that goes with the patient to identify all the components of the injury, all the interventions required. It should start ideally within 24 hours of admission. It assesses the diagnosis, treatment, management plan, discharge plan, DVT prophylaxis and expected goals. Any change to the plan should be discussed with the patient and their relatives. Each unit should have a designated coordinator identified within 12 hours of admission. And in, within 24 hours of admission, a written summary stating the diagnosis, management and expected outcome should be sent to the GP. Written information about hospital and local amenities should be provided to the patients. And you should advise patients when you expect them to return to full function uh, and driving. You should ensure they have ongoing physical, psychological and social support. Arthrodesis. First MTPJ, 10 to 15 degrees of valgus, 25 to 30 degrees of dorsiflexion. Ankle, 5 degrees of valgus. 10 degrees of external rotation, neutral flexion. Hip, 20 to 30 degrees of flexion, 0 to 5 adduction, and 5 to 10 external rotation. Thumb, 20 degrees of flexion, pronation, and abduction. Wrist, 10 degrees of dorsiflexion and ulnar deviation. Shoulder, 30 degrees of flexion, abduction, and internal rotation. What is the effect of infection on local anaesthetic? Only non-ionised forms of local anaesthetic can cross the cell membrane. 
an infection causes an acidic environment, which means there's a higher concentration of ionised local anaesthetic, which makes it less effective. Uh, some basic science definitions. What is a hypothesis? A statement of assumption that you make prior to testing whether it's true. What is a null hypothesis? The primary assumption that any difference seen in your study occur purely by chance. What is a p-value? The probability that the difference seen occurred by chance. On the whole, a 5% probability that something occurred by chance is deemed acceptable. What is a type 1 error? When you say there was a difference, when there wasn't. What is a type 2 error? That would be a false negative, saying there wasn't a difference when there was. What is a type 3 error? So that is when you reject the null hypothesis correctly, but attribute it to the wrong reason. How do you calculate power? Uh, so power is 1 minus the type 2 error, which means it's the probability of demonstrating a true effect and correctly rejecting the null hypothesis. So parametric tests are normally distributed data. They're more powerful and includes the t-test. You can have a one-tailed or a two-tailed t-test. The one-tailed t-test you can state with certainty that there is that there either will be no difference between the means or the difference will go in a direction you can specify in advance. Uh, with the two-tailed t-test you cannot specify the direction of any difference. Use two-tailed if in doubt. Non-parametric tests can be used on skewed data. They're less powerful and less likely to find a significant difference and include the Kaplan-Meier and the Mann-Whitney U-test. You can use the Kolmogorov-Smirnoff test to see whether the distribution of the data dis is normal, so if it differs significantly from a Gaussian curve. And you can convert non-parametric to parametric data uh, for a more powerful statistical analysis. This is called transformation. The World Health Organization guidelines in 1968 um, set out the uh, criteria for a useful screening test regarding the disease. It should be important. Uh, the treatment should be available and agreed. There should be a latent stage in the disease where it could be treated more successfully. And the natural history should be understood so that there are recognisable early signs. The test should be acceptable to everyone available to everyone, acceptable to the patient, sensitive and specific, and cost-effective. The aim is to catch disease and intervene early, thereby preventing significant morbidity and mortality. But it, there are problems with screening tests, such as overdiagnosis, misdiagnosis, a false sense of security and bias. You can have a lead time bias, which means that screening is, means the disease is detected so much earlier that there's a false sense that screening has improved the outcome when these people would have in fact remained healthy for a long time uh, and there's a selection bias those at risk are more likely to want to be screened 
uh, for more statistics. What is sensitivity? So it's the probability that the test result will be positive in a patient who has the disease. It's the total positives divided by total positives plus false negatives. What is specificity? This is the probability that the test will be negative in patients without the disease. So that's total negatives over the total negatives plus the false positives. What is the positive predictive value? This is the probability that a patient with a positive test actually has the disease. So that's total positives over total positives plus false positives. What is bias? Bias is an unintentional systematic error that will threaten the internal validity of a study. There are many sources of bias, including selection bias, a non-random selection of patients from a population, i.e. patients self-select, experimental bias, experimental bias, errors in classifications, observational bias, such as errors in completing hip and knee scores, uh, publication bias, only pos publishing positive findings and not negative ones. Bias can be reduced by randomization, blinding, or age and sex match to reduce confounding variables. What are the qualities of a good outcome score? It must be accurate, it must be valid, and it must be reliable. So if it's used again and again on the same person, does it give the same results? Um, is it valid? Does it represent something true? And is it accurate? How close are its results to the true value? Microbiology. How would you minimise surgical site infection? There are patient factors to optimise, such as diabetes, rheumatoid, medications, smoking, uh, screening for MRSA, steroids. There is preoperative planning, such as washing hands and antibiotic prophylaxis within 30 minutes of the incision. There's the perioperative situation, theatre etiquette, number of people coming in and out, number of people in theatre, how you prepare the skin, the theatre design, there should be airflow with a HEPA filter, there should be 20 to 40 changes of air per hour. Uh, surgeons need to wear gloves, face masks, there are drapes used, and the theatre must be temperature controlled. Hypothermia is associated with an increased risk of post-operative infection. And post-operatively, you must consider antibiotics and also venous thromboembolism prophylaxis. What is disinfection? Disinfection is reducing the number of organisms. What is sterilisation? Sterilisation is removal of all viable organs, including spores and viruses. There are two ways to do this. Autoclaving, which is steam under pressure, and irradiation, which is, uses gamma rays. Uh, what is moist bacterial strike-through? Microorganisms can pass through wet operating clothing to the wound. There's a balance between impermeability and airflow for comfort. New disposable gowns 
of a non-woven and random mat of fibres which are intended to trap bacteria. The body exhaust is the gold standard. It maintains negative pressure but is difficult to work in. How should theatres be designed? Need careful planning of their location in relation to ITU, the wards, A&E and radiology. There should be four zones, an outer zone uh, consisting of reception which anyone can access. There should be a clean zone between reception and the theatre doors. There should be an aseptic zone which is the theatre itself and a disposal zone which is the sluices. In the operating room the operating table should be under the laminar flow ventilation system. There should be room to accommodate all the required kit. Tourniquets, diathermy, suction, anaesthetic machines, microscopes, PAX machines, cell savers, and optimal environmental conditions. The ideal temperature is 19 to 20 degrees with warming of the patient to 24 degrees. Between 40 and 60% humidity. Organisms die fastest at 50%. HEPA filters, which are high efficiency particulate arresting filters. Uh, remove 99.97% of particles less than 0.3 microns. The airflow should be a vertical laminar flow with a canopy and side panels. This pushes the air from the patient away and out through the doors. The air change should occur 20 to 40 times per hour and a light source of at least 40,000 lux should be available at the incision. Antibiotics. Where do penicillins act? At the cell wall. Which other antibiotics act at, at, by impairing cell wall synthesis? Cephalosporins, such as ceftriaxone, vancomycin and imipenem. Now, how does gentamicin act? Uh, gentamicin inhibits the 30S subunit of rRNA which prevents the ribosomes from um, synthesising protein. How does erythromycin act? This is a macrolide as it affects the 50S subunit of translational RNA and interferes with protein synthesis. Which other antibiotics act on the 50S subunit? Clindamycin and chloramphenicol. How does rifampicin act? In the nucleus, it's an RNA polymerase inhibitor. Now, which other antibiotics act in the nucleus? Quinolones, such as ciprofloxacin, uh, are DNA's gyrase inhibitors, and sulfonamides and trimethoprim are folic acid inhibitors. Discuss resistance. Resistance can be innate an inherent ability to alter properties, or extrinsic, and acquired by plasmids or mutations. MRSA, methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, is a gram-positive coccus that has resistance to methicillin due to the presence of a penicillin-binding protein. It has a high mobility, so there's a mandatory Department of Health surveillance programme. It's spread by direct contact with carriers, uh, and risk factors include being elderly, increased length of stay, uh, having been a patient in another hospital, an open wound, comorbidities, catheter or long-term antibiotics. Prevention involves an MRSA screening protocol, an MDT approach with infection control team and microbiologists, uh, patients and staff being isolated if they're carriers and treated with nasal mu mucopyrrhosin, 
and 4% chlorhexidine bath, uh, and hand washing as per the trust infection control policies. The treatment of MRSA re- involves isolation, barrier nursing, vancomycin or ticoplanin with lidazolid, uh, and if more than one patient on the ward develops MRSA, then an emergency plan needs to be activated to try to break the chain of transmission. Uh, preoperatively, three negative MRSA swabs are required uh, prior to considering joint arthroplasty uh, following an MRSA infection. What is Clostridium difficile? Clostridium difficile is a gram-positive organism and is a normal commensal of most guts. Long-term antibiotics reduce natural flora, so C. diff flourishes and and produces toxins such as enterotoxin and cytotoxin. This causes gut inflammation and diarrhoea. The transmission is via the faecal oral route and the diagnosis is by ELISA of stool samples. The risk can be minimised by reviewing antibiotics regularly, keeping the the course short and high dose but specific, promoting good infection control such as hand washing and barrier nursing, Uh, and elective patients receive targeted antibiotics aimed to reduce the C. difficile rate. Uh, Treatment is oral vancomycin and early advice from infectious diseases or microbiology. If there are more than three cases per ward, then a full case review is required. Discuss tuberculosis. Tuberculosis is a mycobacterium. It's an obligate aerobic acid fast rod. It causes chronic granulomatous conditions, classically in the lungs, and also associated with systemic upsets such as fever, weight loss and night sweats. In the musculoskeletal system, it affects the spine, known as POTS disease, the fingers, causing dactylitis, and joints, causing synovitis with no loss of joint space. It can also cause cysts in the metaphysis. It's common in the developing world and is becoming more common uh, in the developed world. It's increasing due to HIV and multi-drug-resistant strains. Diagnosis is difficult and requires a zeal Nielsen stain, or long culture on a Lowenstein-Jensen medium at 37 degrees. On histology, um, you will see caseating central necrosis. And the treatment requires a medical MDT, surgical debridement, plus minus fusion or replacement. What happens if there are acute infections in five consecutive total hip replacements? This is a clinical governance emergency and a protocol action plan is activated. The first priority is to ensure that is the further care of the infected patients. This requires an MDT approach, barrier nursing and appropriate antibiotics. All elective operating must stop and the clinical governance ladder must be operated. Clinical director, medical director, microbiologists, infection control nurses need to be informed and a committee needs to be set up to investigate the outbreak. It must be reported at a national level and there must be a thorough investigation. Looking at the pre-op assessment and screening, uh, investigating possible carriers and staff, uh, checking the laminar flow, instruments, drapes, gowns and masks in theatre and ring fencing the electric, elective ward. What? Material descriptions. Stress is a force per unit area, measured in pascals or newtons per metre squared. 
Isotropic means behaving identically irrespective of which direction the force is applied. Anisotropic means directionally dependent behaviour, such as cortical bone and composite biomaterials. Tensile stress is two forces pulling away from each other, and compression is two forces pushing together along the same line. Strain is change in the length divided by the original length, and this has no units. If you have a stress-strain curve, the area under the curve uh, is equal to the energy absorbed by the material as it stretches. An elastic material returns to its original shape after removal of the stress. Hooke's law is that stress is proportional to strain. A plastic material undergoes permanent deformation which remains once the stress is removed. The yield point is the point at which the behaviour of a material transitions from elastic to plastic. The ultimate tensile strength is the maximum stress that an object can take before failure. Fatigue failure is failure of a material at sub-maximal loads. Endurance limit is the maximum load that an implant can withstand uh, after a million cycles. Uh, total hip replacements operate above the endural endurance limit, but total knee replacements operate at the endurance limit, and so you can get fatigue failure and delamination of the polyethylene. The breaking point is where the object fails. And ductility is the ability of a material to deform under tensile stress. Uh, for example, to become thin like a wire. A brittle material does not deform plastically. And stiffness is the ability to resist definite deformation. Toughness is the same as strain energy. This is the area under a stress-strain curve. <laughs> it's the amount of energy that an object can, can absorb. Strength is an imprecise term, usually referred to as high ultimate tensile strength. Hardness is a surface property uh, and refers to the resistance, ability to resist scratching and indentation. Viscoelasticity. Creep is the increased load and deformation with time under a constant load. Stress relaxation is a decrease in stress under a constant strain. And hysteresis is when the loading curve doesn't follow the unloading curve. The difference in the curves is the energy dissipated.